Sober Sundays with Mike Michow. We're at Floored Media in Rockville Center. Once again, thank you to Jay. And today, special guest, <laughs> we have Tara. Hi, Tara. Hi, Mike. How are you? Such, I'm so proud that you said yes right away to come in here. Oh, thank you. I, I really feel like it's an honor to be asked and like a real pleasure for me to um, come in here and you know speak with you. So why don't you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, let's see. I grew up, I'm one of three children. I'm the oldest of three children. Um, I had a very, um, my mom and dad were married um, my whole life. They were married. So my dad died when I was 46. So they were married for 47 years. Um, I, so my sister's a year younger than me and my brother's a year younger than that. Um, we had a really comfortable life. My dad worked his butt off to make a good life for his family. Um, I'm just, I, I'm truly, truly blessed. I am so blessed with the family that I, that I was given that God gave me. My mom and dad were awesome. My dad was like one of the most special people in the entire world to me. And my mom is too. She was just a little, my dad and I had more of a special bond. And, uh, you know, I realized now, even thinking of this, my mom grew up in an alcoholic home and with me being like an alcoholic and stuff, her home life at, was very um, violent at some, at sometimes. And she got really scared growing up. And I realized that a lot now, like looking back, she wasn't, she acted angry towards me, but it wasn't really anger. It was fear, you know? So um, anyway, so that's when, a little about me you, growing up. When did you start drinking? I remember I started, like everybody was doing it in high school and I hated beer. So I was like, I didn't really drink. I was always the one driving. And I guess in college, I started drinking and I worked on Wall Street when I uh, graduated. And so I would go out at night and drink there. Like, um, I, I always called it social drinking, you know, but I definitely, and I feel like I didn't cross a line until I did, but it was, I think it was typical, you know, a, a weekend was Friday, Saturday, and then it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, fun day. I know, the worst, you know, I found the worst time going out would be like Monday night, though it was, sometimes it was fun, but Tuesday is the worst day to be hung over because <laughs> you still have so much long, the week is still so long. And I used to come in, I was like, I actually, by the grace of God, I never got fired from any of my jobs. I don't know how, but um, I'd come in, it was like partly cloudy. That's how my brain felt, that was partly cloudy. So despite maybe warnings from your mother, Right. Well, I had um, alcoholism runs um, on both sides of my family. I'm the only one in my immediate family okay. to have, you know, um, whether uh, genetically de disp disposed or whatever. I'm the only one who is an alcoholic in my immediate family. That, my did, mom's sister was, her half-sister, my dad's father, my dad's brother. Did you cross this line, this imaginary line, mm -hmm. purposely? Heck No. Uh, uh, it just kind of happened. I was always like, I used to be like, um, you know what? I had to do outpatient a long time ago when I was 25. And that made me, what I thought realized, well, I may abuse alcohol, but I'm not an alcoholic. And I said, that doesn't mean I won't be one day, mm -hmm. but as of right now, I'm not. And potential, yet potential. I had definitely potential <laughs> and I definitely reached it <laughs> the, for sure. So, so what, what happened? Um, well, I think that 
this so I used to put it like this. I used to major in cocaine and minor in alcohol, but I changed majors. I switched majors, and then I majored in alcohol and minored in cocaine a little. But um, the alcohol ended up really it brought me to my knees way faster. I mean, I had been drinking and everything for um, a long time, but it was never by myself. It was never during the day. It was all these reasons that I could be like, um, uh, yes, I abuse alcohol, but uh, I'm not a typical alcoholic, even though I always knew it's what alcohol does to you when you drink, not how much or when or how, it's what it does to you. That's right. And I never thought, I was like, you know, nothing bad ever happened to me. How did this end up happening? How am I an alcoholic? How did this end up happening to me? Well, you know what? It doesn't really matter, because it did. And um, I used to get jealous of people like, oh, they're not an alcoholic and they drink more than I do. Or, um, you know, it didn't happen to my brother or sister. Anyway. Um, I don't think normal people think like that. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, well, that's, you know what? I've also come to realize, it, you know, since I've been sober, I mean, I didn't know people didn't go out to get drunk. I thought that was the only reason to drink. Apparently people like the taste of it sometimes. I, 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 that's beyond me. Like, if I'm gonna go out, there's no such thing as going out for one drink. What's the point? So despite all the drinking, yeah, you got married and had a family. I got married, um, I had two children. Um, yeah, and you know what, I guess it started getting, I started crossing the line, let's say, I. Um, I had stopped working. I had gotten laid off. That uh, that actually had nothing to do with drinking, mm -hmm. and I was um, taking. You know, I had most of the time to, during the day. Like my parents were around, so I'd hang out with them. Um, I'd take care of my children. My son was had started um, primary school and grammar school, so he was gone more, and I still had to take care of my daughter, who was three years younger. Um, I'd say like I I can't pin the exact date, but I know when things started going downhill. Or actually, I'll say, um, yeah, when things started going downhill, I had already been to um, rehab once. I had been to outpatient twice, and I had been to tons of meetings, in and out of the rooms. And But for some reason, for all those years, and continuing forward for many more years to come, I always had reservations. I don't know why. And I was like, I'll be able to figure this out. Some way I'll be able to drink and like, I can do it safely. They don't teach you that though, right? No, they don't teach you that. And 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 I just, I thought, I didn't think I was special, but I thought that I'd be able to do it somehow, you know? Apparently I did think I was special because I don't know any alcoholics who've managed to do it safely, but, or, you know, without a lot of consequences. But my dad got sick in 2016. He was diagnosed with ALS. Um, so I didn't have any of the coping mechanisms or the tools to use to deal with this kind of news. I mean, I had been in the rooms and everything else like that, but I hadn't been active. I think that there's a very big difference. People say there's a difference being whether you're around AA or whether you're in AA. Because if you're in AA, that means you have um, a network, you have people to talk to, you have people to help you, you have people to tell you what to do and you don't know what to do yourself. So what I did was what I knew best was anything that I didn't, most of my feelings growing up that I was uncomfortable with was anxiety. So now, if whenever I was anxious, I would drink to cut the edge off. And now I had like a painful thing going on in my life. So um, 
that's when the drinking increased. And then my dad passed away. And let's see, that was in October of 16. My mom got lung cancer in December of 16. Um, uh, my husband and I ended up, we were getting, we got separated. That was June of 17. And I had gone to Florida for three weeks to visit my mom. And I came home and nobody else, nobody lived there anymore. <laughs> so the kids and I had gone. So that was a shock. And then oh. the rest of the summer and then in the fall, the kids went back to school. So now I had I had a lot of time on my hands. And that was really so that. now you're over that line. Now I'm over, yeah, that's when I really, really crossed it. And you know, how they, and people would be like, oh my gosh, Tara, you're, my brother kept being like, you gotta go back to rehab, you gotta go back to rehab. And I was like, no, I'm good. And I even he heard somebody else say, you know, oh, they were always good. I was the furthest thing from good, <laughs> I can't even tell you. And for some reason I had, you know, between September and February, I had been arrested three times. I had been a CPS in my life, which I had never had before. But apparently um, I'm, you know, I was good. And I didn't need anybody's help and I didn't need to change anything. And I didn't need, you know, rehabs or whatever. I just, I, and a long time before that, I said I was willing to do anything to stop drinking. And Seafield told me to go to Mercy Hall. I was like, anything but that. <laughs> and <laughs> so, but eventually you, Something happens. Well, eventually. I mean, so, you became a little famous for a while. Yeah, I did. I say, like, honestly, because I was so good. And I was like, I did not plan on stopping drinking. I think I, the word acceptance for me kind of is like when my head and heart match. But I accepted that I was an alcoholic and that this is how I was going to be living my life. Because I was good. There was nothing the matter with what I was doing, you know. Um, I was so selfish and self-absorbed and self-centered. I can't even believe that how I missed it. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to see it. I was in such deep denial. Um, so February 12th of 2018, I say God did for me what I couldn't do for myself, really. And I was in a terrible DWI accident. Um, I hit my neighbor who was walking home from the train station um, and he was severely injured. Um, and it was like, I mean, I was in shock, I think, when it happened. But it was after that experience or kind of, you know, like a, a lot of things went on. I, he is blessed and I am so blessed that, you know, he is, um, he survived and, you know, quality of life is, he went back to work, he drives, you know, everything oh, else. Like, yeah. So, I mean, God was watching out for me. Like but the outpour of the neighborhood and oh the news and the coverage. Yeah, this is, these are people who I was friends with who do not care for me anymore. And you know what, I get it because I was putting everybody at risk, but like I didn't even realize it. Cause like I said, I was so self-absorbed. And you know, some of my neighbors have said they tried to help me and yeah, they, they did. But you know what, I, I know for me, this alcoholic wasn't ready to hear it from anybody. I wasn't, ready, I couldn't change until I wanted it for myself, until I surrendered. So I said like, I accepted that I was an alcoholic and I was just gonna live that way until this day when God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I finally surrendered. Like I was like, oh, that's it, this is it. I am broke. Rock bottom. I, rock bottom, I am so broken. Like, And it wasn't the thought of like going to jail or anything else like that. It was that I hurt somebody, you know? One of those things that could never happen to me, happened to me. 
you know, I was just going to the grocery store to get stuff for lunch tomorrow for the kids. And like, oh, I'll be back quick. It's not far. I'm not, gosh, you know what? People do it all the time. I do it all the time. Nothing will happen until something happens. And um, I was one house away from my house and I was not even driving terror, like erratically or wh whatever, but I had been drinking. And no matter what, I'm wrong because you're not supposed to get into a car. You're not supposed to when you've been drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably I didn't belong drinking anyway. And I hear some people say, uh, "Oh, you know what? It's all right. I'll drink again. I, I can drink again. I just can't drive." For this alcoholic, there is no drinking. It's not about the driving because if I ever picked up again, I would end up in a car somehow, and it's not something I'm willing to risk anymore. So this brought you back to treatment it's brought me back to treatment i was um arrested and i spent four days in nassau county um jail which is horrible it's mm -hmm. a miserable miserable place and i got a rain that morning and um my brother came and i was like oh and i they actually gave me bail because i had been arrested three other times during night i told you that so that's why i had a bail and um he didn't bail me out I was like, what is going on here? Um, so I was in um, Nassau County for uh, four days. I came home. I had to go to court. The judge wanted to see me. I was in the middle of divorce. So I couldn't go to rehab right away because the judge was like, oh, by the way, the kids, the I had custody of our children at the time. That was ripped right out from under me, you know, because I was never going to lose custody of them. Like my drinking didn't affect that. It would never happen. The judge wouldn't do that. Why would the judge do that? Cause I'm such a great mom, you know? And um, so I went to rehab a week later. I went to um, rehab February 23rd, 2018. And my sober date is February 24th, 2018. So I did, I just celebrated five years. So I did rehab Ooh. and I came home and I said, you know what, I'm gonna move into the Seafield sober house, which I had been previously in 2015. And I relapsed after four months. And this is the only time like of all my other attempts at getting sober this is the only time i did it for myself i was always doing it for my parents or my husband or my kids this is the, finally that you know this bottom is what it took for tara to want to change so so you get sober you, you're in treatment you're dealing with a court case the yeah. kids a divorce uh -huh. and now here comes sentencing yeah um well when i first uh found out they wanted to offer me they offered me five to 15 years and I almost, I, I was floored. I couldn't believe it. I was like, are, are you kidding me? Like, this can't be happening to me. And I was, then I was like, oh, you know what? They'll knock it down to three years and they'll knock it down to one and everything will be okay. That ended up not being the case. Um, I was sentenced, I fought my case from outside while I was doing treatment and, um, and going to AA and changing who I was, but they, um, my sentence was two to six years with a flat bit of three because I took a, um, I pled out to two felony charges. So um, I, so in July, this, this past July, July 2022, I just got home from spending three years and three months in state prison up in Albion, New York, where it's the middle of nowhere between Rochester and Buffalo. And um, it was real. It was really real. So yeah, I was dealing with sentencing and all that. And you know, I don't think it ever really hit me. Like when I first was gonna get sentenced, I was like, oh, a year, I'll probably just end up doing it in county. Yeah, well, the judge and other people had other ideas, which, you know, I can see why.
Did you, were you tempted to to drink? Yeah. Before, during, during. Um, my mom passed away. That the accident had happened in February. My mom passed away in June. Um, I hadn't seen my children. We sold our family home. Um, there was a, a lot of stuff that went on during then, and I was I was like, I can't do it. I can't. I was definitely tempted, but. I wanted um, the sobriety too much. I was like, you know, I, I was like, it, nothing is worth worth giving this up for. And I also was going to have to go to Nassau County Jail till I, you know, till I got the day of sentencing if I relapsed. So that was a bit of an incentive at the time, but I knew I wanted to change. Do you regret, maybe not regret, but do you think that everything you did from the time the accident happened for your sobriety, the treatment, the meetings, everything prepared you as best like the best tarot could be going into a, a yeah. horrible situation like yeah that. you know i always say that like thank god i had a program when i went to prison because i, I it actually helped me so much a like, lot of people would give up and say i'm going away I know. uh you know i said you know what all right so i accepted that i was going that this was going to happen to me which a lot of people said they didn't even know how i did that only through the grace of God, I swear, was I able to have such a positive outlook on this. I was like, I'll go, I'll do what I have to do. If there's programs and stuff, I'll do that. Um, I didn't see my children for three years and four months. Um, they had COVID, COVID happened when I was in prison. And I got, I was lucky I did get to speak to my children on the phone, but there were certain resentments. Like it really, being in prison put such gave me such a perspective on life and how much I took for granted and how I, now I see how much I've changed and how much, what I'm grateful for. And um, I literally am like a changed person. I finally get it now when people say, you have to change from the inside out because that's what I did. I know I changed. Like I, I had a spiritual awakening and I feel like that you know, there's that picture, the sacred heart of Jesus with the glowing heart. And that's how I feel now. Like people could have said, you're a miracle, you're a miracle. I genuinely and truly know that I am a miracle because it could have gone the, the whole other way. And I am so blessed. Like I don't have a craving to drink now. I don't have obsessions. I know that it's possible that I will drink again, but if I keep doing today, what I did yesterday, like if I do that tomorrow, I'm not gonna pick up a drink. As long as I stay spiritually fit, I'd never ever have to live that way again. And ah, it was so awful. I have found more freedom and happiness in prison than I ever did when I was drinking. And you know, they say life beyond your wildest dreams, you know, all above that. You know what, my wildest dreams never included prison, but it is part of my story and it helped, you know, it helped me mold who I am today. And I don't wish to change it. You know, that day of the accident was the worst day of my life. But like, you know, another guest had said, it also became the best day of my life. I am such a better person now. And I love living this life that I wouldn't change a thing. You know what, God really, you know, he had a plan for me. I didn't have a plan, but you know, they say you always, you may not always get what you want, but you always get what you need. And God certainly was looking out for me. I mean, uh, for me, this, you can't do this program without God for me, you know, in your life and God's my higher power. So and was, was that God, higher power relationship with you while you were away? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I had never been, alone. I was never alone. But all the time, the times that I thought it was, I was alone was really when, when I was still using and stuff, you know, that's when I thought I was alone, but God was with me then. I mean, I'm here to talk about it. So God was with me then. I just, my sponsor had taught me something, you know, when you're going through a lot and you feel like everything's like crumbling around you, that's your higher power reminding you to use them. That's when your higher power is reminding you to pray and to do something, you know, to do something a little different, to change something, you know, change, what is it? Change the thought, move a muscle. And I hate all AA cliches and everything <laughs> else like that, but they're so true. Everything the book, the big book says, it's so true. AA has never, ever lied to me. And um, you know what? I don't, there are people maybe who can just give up drinking. I am not one of them. I need to have AA in my life. You know, it holds me accountable. It helped. It's given me a life to live. You know, like I was not, I can live a sober lifestyle because of AA. I can deal with life because of AA. Well, what was the programs like in, in prison? Um, well, my main one that I had to complete was uh, a DWI, which is a lot like going to outpatient and everything. Mm -hmm. But you know what I, what was different for me is that I can, I went to um, outpatient and inpatient a number of times, but you know what? I can always get something out of it. It doesn't matter if I've already learned it before, there's gonna be something else that I'm gonna learn. And you're in a different And I'm in a different perspective. Time. My perspective on life is so different than it ever was before. Like I am so blessed, I can't even tell you. And I don't have, you know, my own house, I live in a sober house. I don't have any money. Um, I have an internship, it's not a full-time job, you know. Uh, tell some, us what it is. Oh, I work, I started, I got my SERPA certification, which is, you know, um, a certified recovery peer advocate. And I have to get 500 hours to be a, not a, um, to get actually licensed by the state or certified by the state. So I'm doing an internship at, the Alliance for Positive Change in New York City, and I will get my hours and I'm learning a lot. I'm getting a lot of experience. My, I happen to be in the peer empowerment program there, so I get to call people and I don't know, you know what? I honestly just feel like such an incredibly different person and I feel like I glow and I have so much hope for myself and other people. Like if I could give this feeling to, to other alcoholics who aren't getting it, I would do it if I could, but you know what? Nobody could give it to me except for me. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink it. So I just feel so blessed that I was, that I finally got it, you know? And, um, and it took everything I got. I used to say, why didn't I hit a tree or another car? Why did I have to hit a person? You know what? Cause that's what I needed to change. That's where my change came from. So, so what's the relationship with your kids like today? It's awesome. I'm so happy. I love them so much. I miss them so much while I was away. But the first time I saw them um, in, in after the three years and four months was the most incredible feeling I've ever had. It was the best high, the best heart lifting, most joyous occasion I've ever been through. And there is no, uh, there's no drink, there's no drug there's nothing artificial that could have given me anywhere close to that feeling of happiness and joy that I felt that day. And they love me and they knew where I was and they knew everything was going that was going on. And I'm blessed that um, to have the relationship with them that I do because 
I mean, I, I chose to give it up basically before I got sober, but I also made a decision that I wanted it back and I was going to do anything in the world to do it. And how, how old did I? Colin 16 and Kira's 13. And, um, so they were nine and 12 when I went away and they both got so tall. They're both bigger than me <laughs> and they're just, you know, they're wonderful people. I have to really give their dad a, so much credit because, you know, he wasn't asking for this either. His whole life was changed upside down too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not easy to all of a sudden have to be like, okay, well now you have to be a full-time parent and work a full-time job and you haven't had to do this and you know, forever. So they're great kids. And I know if I ever pick up again, they're not going to be in my, a part of my life because they don't want to be around me when I drink. Has there been any contact with the guy you hit? Um, just on, um, on my day of sentencing, I apologized for, um, for the accident. I apologized for my behavior and my actions and that I was ready to accept the consequences for what I did. And I did, and I went to prison and I, I got hit at the board. Like I was supposed to, I had an opportunity to come home a year earlier than I did and I got hit. So I took that with a grain of salt because you know what, obviously I needed to learn something more. There was something more for me to learn or, you know, um, stay up there. And I have not seen them or spoken to them at all, but I pray for them every day. And you know what, I remember one time I spoke before I went to prison and I said, you know what, you don't pray for me, pray for my the victim, my neighbor and his family. Pray for them because they need the prayers more than I do, you know? So it's about them. I want them to live a happy, joyous, free life. You know, God, I don't know why, um, what, you know, my neighbor's story is or why God mm -hmm. chose this to happen, but I know why, it, I know why it's my story and I know why it happened to me. And I'm so grateful and, so blessed that it actually did. And I don't know any, not very many people. I couldn't imagine. I remember 10 years ago, I was reading a book and they were saying, oh, about this woman in prison. I was like, Ooh, thank God I'll never be in prison. Well, then life, life happens, you know? So, and that's what, you know, AA gives me the tools to deal with life. And I like it so much better. Yeah. It's not all whole ball, you know, box of chocolates, but you know what? I am so happy and content. And I, you know, and it gets better each day. As long as I try and be a better person each and every day and that I'm willing to change and do the next right thing, then I have a pretty darn good life. And you know what? I'm, I've gotten that grace and dignity that I didn't have. Like I finally grew up as like my dad used to say, he used to say, Tara, grow up Tara. You know, I, I'm the person, I'm becoming the person I was meant to be. I'm becoming the mother I was meant to be. And you know, we'll just see what life has in store next. <laughs> so you are probably in a position where you could help so many other women and people in a similar predicament. Yeah. Um, I, and if, if my story can help anybody, I'm willing to tell it, you know, to however many people, however many times. Um, uh, cause I feel so, so incredibly blessed, you know? Um, and you know, not everybody wants to admit having, to have gone to prison, but it's part of my story and it's part of who made me what I am today. And I'm a good person. And you know what? That was a big learning experience for me. And um, so I'm willing to share like any parts of it. You know, there's not nothing that, it's about rigorous honesty too. You know, how your, your life been? Well, it's not a bowl of cherries or like I said, a box of chocolates. 
why do I have a life beyond my wildest dreams? Like I would have never, can you never imagine sitting here talking with you about my sobriety and how blessed I am to have it and like, and how much I cherish it. And I'm not, I'm willing to do anything not to let it go. I just think of all the mothers out there in Garden City and those other towns who could never imagine them going to prison. Just like when you walk into a room, no one's going to say, oh, this woman has been to prison, but yet that's where yeah, alcohol that's just where doesn't al care. Yeah, that's where alcohol took me, exactly. I mean, I never, I, I thought when I'd gone to rehab a couple times, 30 days away from my kids and my family and stuff, I thought that, oh, I can't, I can't go to rehab. I can't be away for 30 days. Well, guess what? I can be away for 30 days and it ended up, I could, you know, I ended up being away a lot longer because, um, you know, it's because it's I wasn't ready. You know, I can't say, you know, I needed everything, single thing that happened to me um, in order for it, you know, that happened so I could change and and become this sober person who is, you know, willing to help other people and stuff. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't believe how selfish I was. I see now what I took away from my children. You know, like I was there as a shell of a person, but I wasn't giving them any part of myself. I wasn't giving them me. I wasn't giving myself me because I didn't like me very much, but I wasn't willing to admit that. So how, how does this story end? Because I wish that the people who saw, who were watching the news years ago and watching it could see this now. I know, know yeah. Um, I didn't see any of the, I read something in the news stories the day I was sentenced, but um, I heard a little bit about them and, you know, it was not my finest hour, that is for sure. But you know what? I can say that I came through, came through it. I came out the other side, a better person. Um, I remember um, when my dad died, I didn't want to make a promise to him that I couldn't keep. So I didn't say, I promise I'll stop drinking, daddy. But I did say, daddy, I promise I will make you proud of me. And I think I'm fulfilling that promise. Absolutely. So... Okay, so Tara is always willing, reaching out, because now you're, you're back in treatment yep. with five years sober. Yep. So you gotta be helping a lot of women there. I am, like I, it, I help them and I don't even realize that. Like somebody, I, sometimes I tend to talk a lot. I don't know if you have, have figured that out yet, but um, um, somebody said, and I had apologized. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I hope I, I didn't take up too much group time. And then, like three women in the group said, you know what? We love listening to you because we always get something different out of it. Like I do have a lot to share. And, um, but one of the biggest things I can tell you is it can happen to you. And I, I feel that alcoholism or, you know, alcohol, it's going to get you. It will get you. You may not know how, you may not know when, you may not. And everybody's story about how it gets them is different. But, you know, it definitely got me. Thank God. Like I really, like, I can't imagine living life now the way I was living then. I'd probably be dead. I, I know, you know, I wouldn't have a relationship with my children or my family. Um, I do good things now. Like, I'm proud of myself. I try and help people. I love, like, the... I love the opportunities life has given me now and that I'm able to, you know, take on those opportunities and challenges only because I'm sober. Do you think your kids today... Are, are proud of you? Maybe they were nervous in the beginning. I don't want to put makeup yeah. stuff. No, they're but. very, they're really proud of me. And uh, there's even some people I think that 
who never thought I could change and were very, very angry with me for a long time. And I think that I even have like kind of pulled at their heartstrings a little, like uh, no matter how bad they want to stay at me, they have seen a change and that it's not fake. You know, there wasn't a ton of amends that I had to do. Like um, most of my amends were living amends. So like my parents and my children and stuff, but I'm doing, I changed, I'm doing it. I, I'm not just, it's not just talking the talk. I'm actually walking the walk, <laughs> you know? So the dangers of DWIs. Oh my God. It, they're awful. And the impact. The impact. I mean, this is what it is. Like, I think for me to pick up and drink again, you know, I'd be lucky if I died because what is really going to happen is that I'm, by the grace of God, I didn't kill somebody that day. But, you know, I'm going to end up either killing somebody or my children. Like, if, if I drank again and I died, that would be a blessing compared to what could happen, honestly. Like, I, I I have to live with every single day that I hurt somebody and changed them and their family for the rest of their lives. But God helps me do that. And you know what? And I, I know that me changing and trying to help other people so it doesn't happen to them is what I need to be, is what I can do to, you know, like if I didn't change, all that would have been in vain, kind of like, you know, so. Um, I, I was going to ask, do you think the victim, family, you know, I'm sure they're somewhat happy that it turned out this way for you anyway. Yeah, I think that, that it wasn't for nothing. Right. I think that no, I, I think that nobody thought I was actually going to change, Mike. Um, I remember when I was going through the, um, you know, fighting the case back in 2000. 19 before I was sentenced and my lawyer was like even shocked he's like Tara I didn't think you could do it you know because I've had a lot of tries but I was ready and like I said God did for me like a, what I couldn't do for myself and it was time and I think everybody is surprised that I changed that I am the miracle that I am um I think people may still hold on to a little bit of anger but that's okay because they're entitled to it um as long as I'm not being angry and resentful, you know, that's what's most important. That's how I can keep moving forward and helping people. So, mm -hmm. and if, yeah, if they're still angry with me and stuff, that's okay, you know? Okay, so before we close, is there anything <laughs> you, you wanna say, you wanna share? Just that, you know, I was a slave to alcohol. I really was, I was obsessed with it. I couldn't stop thinking about, alcohol, drinking it, when I was going to get the next one, how I was going to get the money to do it. Like when they say you can live um, a happy, joyous and free life, you really can. Like that's another what cliche, but it's so true. Like I am so free and happy now. Like it, I call it a, my bursting, glowing heart, my sacred heart of Jesus, you know, like, and I have so much hope for my future and for my children. And, um, and I'm just truly blessed by it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Tara. Thanks. And if anybody's looking for help or does need help, they can reach out to you. They certainly can. All right. And if anybody else wants to contact us, SoberSundayPodcast.com. Thank you so much, Tara. Thank you for having me. It was great. Our pleasure. Thanks.